Hi, it's Chris Flanagan here, and welcome to the Pediatric Emergencies Podcast. So in this episode, I want to talk about the use of peripheral vasoactive drugs in children. This is something I've talked on a little bit in some of the other podcasts, but I was keen just to have a separate section that somebody who was new to this topic could go to to learn about them. So this episode will probably be a little bit shorter than some of the other podcasts that I've done, um, but that's intentional. I've tried to keep it short and to the point, telling you the important things you need to know. So I'm going to get started with push-dose pressors. So what do I mean by push-dose pressors? So normally when you give vasoactive drugs, um, you give them in a concentrated infusion um, via a central line. So what you're actually doing with push-dose pressors, rather than having a concentrated infusion of the drug, you've got quite a dilute syringe full of the vasoactive drug that you titrate by giving the patient small boluses rather than a continuous infusion. So why would you want to do this when the continuous infusion method has been well established for many years? Well, you may have a crashing patient um, who needs started urgently on vasoactive drugs and you don't have time to make up the infusion. So you're using the push dose pressors to buy you time to get the patient started on a, a standard infusion. The other time you might want to use them is if you expect the hypertension to be short-lived. For example, if the hypertension is secondary to induction of anesthesia, you give a little bit of the push dose pressors, the blood pressure comes up and you don't expect it to drop again. So there's no need for a continuous infusion. Um, the other situation would be where you don't have a central line yet. So you don't want to administer a concentrated infusion of the vasoactive drugs. Um, another alternative, which we will talk a little bit in the next section, is you can actually make up a dilute continuous infusion of the vasoactive drugs. But push dose pressors will keep you going just as well. So what drugs can you do this with? Um, well, there's quite a few options. Some of the commonly used drugs are adrenaline, ephedrine, metaraminol, and phenylephrine. And this range of drugs is absolutely fine for the controlled environment of the anaesthetic room, um, where they're being used by experienced hands, and the drug can be chosen depending on the individual patient's hemodynamics. But most of us listening here aren't dealing with patients in that environment. We're dealing with a crashing child in the emergency department, the paediatric ward, or the ICU. Um, and for me, there's really only one choice of push dose presser for that situation, and that's adrenaline. And there's three main reasons why I say that. Um, firstly, and most importantly, um, in my opinion, adrenaline's the most effective. So why use something that's less effective. Secondly, in inexperienced hands, it's probably the safest. Um, the bolus doses that you give with push dose adrenaline provide both anisotropy and vasoconstriction, which is perfect for the majority of peri-arrest shock patients, the patients you're going to be using this on. Some of the other drugs in the list I've mentioned above will provide a little bit of anisotropy with very little vasoconstriction or will provide purely vasoconstriction um, and no anisotropy, therefore bringing a reflex bradycardia with it. So like I say, adrenaline 
is by far the safest um, for the shot periarrest patient and it's the most effective. And probably fi uh, the final reason is one of the most important reasons. You can get adrenaline in the resuscitation trolley in every ward in the hospital. So it's you have easy access to it. Um, if you can imagine yourself being on the paediatric ward dealing with a shocked septic patient and asking for some metaranamol or phenylephrine, um, I wonder how long it would take that to arrive. So for these reasons, I'm only going to talk about push-dose adrenaline in this podcast. And before I get started with telling you how you mix this up and dose it, some of you are probably wondering, I'm not an intensivist, um, is this uh, applicable to me? Should I be doing this? Well, if you're a doctor who looks after sick children or neonates, and at some stage expects to find yourself with a peri-arrest, hypotensive child, then the answer is yes. In that situation, you have two choices. Um, you can titrate a little bit of adrenaline in that peri-arrest patient and prevent them from arresting. Or your second choice is you wait for the patient to arrest, give them a big dose of adrenaline and try the more difficult task of restarting the non-beating heart. So it's not really a difficult choice. Um, this is something that you should learn to do. I'm going to give you a method for doing it in this podcast. And then what I would suggest you do is you practice this in a simulated environment with an experienced pair of hands in your department. Um, this isn't difficult. Um, most of the trainees who come through my unit and do six month attachments and by the end of the six month attachment are confidently doing this and are taking that skill away with them and this is a life-saving skill okay so now i want to go on and talk about how you actually make up the adrenaline syringe so most of you will be aware that adrenaline comes in two commercially available concentrations you get the adrenaline one in a thousand or one milligram per mil that you primarily use for anaphylaxis intramuscularly and a dose of 10 mics per kilo. Um, there's a slightly more dilute preparation, um, adrenaline 1 in 10,000 or 100 mics per mil, um, which you'll use mainly in the setting of cardiac arrest, either intravenously or interosseously, um, also in a dose of 10 mics per kilo. So the arrest dose adrenaline is a tenth of the strength of the adrenaline you use for anaphylaxis. So for push dose adrenaline, you want to make some adrenaline that is a tenth as dilute again as the stuff you use in cardiac arrest. So I've said it's adrenaline one in a thousand for anaphylaxis, one in ten thousand for cardiac arrest. So for push dose adrenaline, you want to make up adrenaline one in a hundred thousand or 10 mics per mil and the dose you want to give is one mic per kilo um, which is a tenth of what you'll give in anaphylaxis or cardiac arrest um, up to a maximum dose of 20 micrograms so the easiest way to make this up is you take your pre-filled syringe um, or mini jet of adrenaline one in 10,000, 
that you'd be using in a cardiac arrest and withdraw one mil of adrenaline from that mini jet or syringe. To that, you want to then add nine mils of saline to make up adrenaline 100,000 or 10 mics per mil. We've already said the dose you want to give is a tenth of what you would give in a cardiac arrest. But because you've already diluted the adrenaline by 10, you give the same dose in mils as you would in a cardiac arrest. So you're going to give 0.1 mils per kilo of adrenaline, 1 in 100,000 as a bolus. Um, so for example, if you had a 3 kilo neonate, you would give 0.3 mils of adrenaline, 1 in 100,000 as a bolus. If you had a 14 kilo child, it's going to be 1.4 mils of adrenaline, 1 in 100,000. If you were using push-dose adrenaline in an adult, you would normally give 1 to 2 mils of adrenaline, 100,000, or 10 to 20 micrograms at a time. So it makes sense not to go above this dose in a child. So that's why I'm saying it's 0.1 mils per kilo of adrenaline, 100,000, up to a maximum of 2 mils, which is 20 micrograms, and that's the adult dose. So the next question is, how often can you give these boluses? Um, and the simple answer is as often as you need to. Um, but practically, it's normally every 30 seconds to 10 minutes. Um, so if you look at uh, a normal adrenaline infusion, um, the range that's coded in the BNFC is 0.1 to 1.5 mics per kilo per minute. So with our push dose adrenaline, each time we give a bolus, we're giving one mic per kilo. And if you were to give that at the lowest frequency I mentioned above, uh, every 10 minutes, then you're given the equivalent of 0.1 mics per kilo per minute, um, which is the lower end of that range that I've mentioned above, and actually what we would normally start an adrenaline infusion um, on in a shot child. If you were to give that um, one mic per kilo bolus, um, the most frequently I've mentioned above, every 30 seconds, then you'd be given the equivalent of two mics per kilo per minute, which is the higher end of the adrenaline infusion range. Um, coming back to the reason for the adult maximum dose, um, if you look at the normal dosing range for adrenaline infusions in adults, um, the range coded is 2 to 20 mics per minute. Not mics per kilo, but mics per minute. So with our adult dose of 2 mils, we're given 20 mics at a go. If you were to give that every 10 minutes, you're giving 2 mics per minute, which is the lower end of that infusion. If you were to give it every minute, you'd be given 20 mics per minute, the upper end of the infusion. So you can see where the doses for uh, push-dose adrenaline come from. So to sum push-dose adrenaline up, you take 1 mil of standard arrest-dose adrenaline, 1 in 10,000, make it up to 10 mils with 0.9% saline to make a solution that's a tenth the strength of arrest-dose adrenaline, which is 100,000 or 10 mics per mil. 
Then what you want to do is give uh, 0.1 mils per kilo up to a single maximum bolus of 2 mils every 30 seconds to 10 minutes as required. What you then should be doing is preparing an adrenaline infusion to take over um, from the push dose adrenaline if the hypotension is persistent. And you should start that at a rate equivalent to how often you're needing to give the push dose adrenaline. So one final thing I want to cover under push dose adrenaline is what you do if you don't have adrenaline 1 in 10,000. So you can actually make push dose adrenaline up from um, adrenaline 1 in 1,000 or 1 milligram per mil, um, although you have to do an extra dilution to do this. So what you would do is you would take um, 1 mil of adrenaline, 1 in 1,000, and make it up to 10 mils with 0.9% saline. So in diluting it by 10, you've made adrenaline 1 in 10,000, which is your normal arrest dose adrenaline. So what you then need to do is squirt out and discard 9 mils from the syringe. So you're left with 1 mil of adrenaline, 1 in 10,000, in the syringe. And then what you need to do is make this up to 10 mils again with 0.9% saline. So you've now made adrenaline 1 in 100,000. Okay, so now I want to go on and talk about peripheral infusions of vasoactive drugs. So to start with, I would like to take the opportunity to correct a common misconception, and that is that vasoactive drugs must only be given via a central line. So if that's your practice, you're doing your patient a disservice um, by waiting until you've got a central line before starting life-saving vasoactive drugs. It's exactly the same as if you don't start fluid resuscitating your shock child until you've got intravenous access. It's now becoming more well recognised that you should just stick an interosseous line in and get on with resuscitating your patient. With vasoactive drugs, it's exactly the same. Start them peripherally, and then when time allows, you can move them over to a central line. So you should be starting vasoactive drugs when your child needs them, not when you've got the gold standard access. So I do think it is important that you have a good peripheral line um, if you're going to be running the vasoactive drugs through it. So if I've got a good cannula flush as well, I, um, I wouldn't think twice about starting vasoactive drugs through that line. However, I've got a slightly dodgy um, cannula in the scalp or the back of the wrist and my patient needs vasoactive drugs, I'd probably insert an interosseous line and start the drugs via that. So how long can you use peripheral vasoactive drugs for? Well, for me, it's a temporary measure prior to insertion of the central line. So I use them to stabilise my patient to allow me to do critical interventions such as intubation safely um, and then um, I'll get on and put a central line in and move the drugs over to the central line. Okay, so which agents can you use as a peripheral vasoactive drug infusions? Um, there's two common agents that are used and they are adrenaline and dopamine. 
So like with push dust pressers, um, I much prefer using adrenaline as a peripheral infusion rather than dopamine. Um, and the reasons for that is that I find it to be much more effective. Um, and also, like we've mentioned with push dose pressers, it's available in every resuscitation trolley uh, in the hospital. So I can get it easily on the paediatric ward or wherever I happen to be. Um, dopamine is likely to be locked away in a cupboard in the emergency department or the ICU. Um, a lot of the guidelines do mention starting dopamine first and then moving to adrenaline if it's ineffective. For me, the reason I'm starting peripheral vasoactive drugs is because I've got life-threatening hypotension in a child. So I'd much rather start with the best drug. Um, also, I find adrenaline much easier to titrate than dopamine. Um, some of you may have been told that peripheral adrenaline is more unsafe than dopamine and that's the reason why dopamine is recommended. Um, well this is an urban legend, um, both drugs are likely to give you equal problems if they extravasate. But how much problems will you get into if your adrenaline infusion does extravasate? Well, I was reading an interesting article on the MCRIT website recently on peripheral vasoactive drugs. And when they reviewed the evidence, um, peripheral adrenaline infusions are actually relatively safe. Um, and part of the argument was that if you actually look at a box of adrenaline, um, one in a thousand, on the box it says that you can give this by subcutaneous injection. And if your adrenaline infusion extravasates, you'll be giving it subcutaneously, which is, it says on the box, you can do. And providing you've made up a dilute infusion, like I'm going to tell you how to do, the dose that will be extravasating will be within the limits of what you can actually give subcutaneously in the normal dosing range. Um, the article in MCRIT actually recommended you could use the adrenaline infusion more long-term safely. This isn't something I'm recommending. I'm recommending you just use this for life-threatening hypotension prior to insertion of a central line. But there is evidence out there that this is relatively safe to do. So I'm all for keeping things simple. Um, so I'm only going to talk about how you make up a peripheral adrenaline infusion. I'm not going to talk about dopamine and I've already give you the reasons for that. So just like with the push dose pressors, you make up the peripheral adrenaline infusion the same way every time. So what you want to do is put one milligram of adrenaline into 50 mils of 0.9% saline. So you can do this one of two ways. Um, I've already said there's two commercially available preparations of adrenaline out there. So you can take one mil of adrenaline, uh, one in a thousand, which will contain a milligram, and make it up with 49 mils of saline um, to make the infusion up. Alternatively, if you've only got the adrenaline, one in 10,000, you're gonna need 10 mils of that to uh, contain one milligram of adrenaline. So take 10 mils of adrenaline, one in 10,000, and add 40 mils of 0.9% saline to make up the infusion of one milligram of adrenaline. 
in 50 mils. So with push dose pressors, we've already mentioned the normal range for adrenaline is 0.1 to 1.5 mics per kilo per minute. And that will normally start at 0.1 mics per kilo per minute in the shot patient. So to start at your 0.1 mics per kilo per minute, all you need to do is set the infusion at 0.3 times the patient's weight in kilograms in mils an hour. So for example, if you've got a three kilo baby, um, three times 0.3 is 0.9. So you set the pump at 0.9 mils an hour. An 18 kilo patient, 18 times 0.3 is 5.4. So start the infusion at 5.4 mils an hour. There is, however, one common mistake that people make when starting peripheral vasoactive drugs, and that is that you don't take account of the dead space that you're connecting the infusion up to. For example, um, the cannulas that I use, um, I know have a dead space of 0.1 mils. The extension sets that go on the end of the cannulas have 0.3 mils. So I've got 0.4 mils of dead space to get through. So if I was to start my standard dose peripheral adrenaline infusion on that three kilo child at 0.1 mics per kilo per minute, it would actually take 27 minutes to get through the dead space and for the adrenaline to reach the child. However, if I know my dead space, what I can safely do is bolus 0.4 mils right at the start and then start the infusion at the normal rate. And this means the life-saving medication will reach the child. And this is particularly important because we commonly start peripheral vasoactive drugs to stabilize the patient prior to intubation. An intubation is a procedure that may cause the patient to deteriorate because you're having to give them a cardiac depressant drug as an induction agent. So you're starting the drug um, thinking that it's making the procedure more safe for you, but actually it's lost in the dead space and the patient hasn't actually received any of the drug. So you must know your dead space. You need to go into your department work out how much dead space is in your connectors in your cannula. So this is really easy to do. What you need to do is to open a cannula and a connector um, that are filled with air prior to being flushed through and take a one mil syringe and fill it with saline. So connect up the cannula to the connector um, and then the syringe on the end. Start flushing the saline through and stop whenever saline first comes out the end of the cannula and the amount that you've flushed through is your dead space. So when you need to start peripheral visoactive drugs, you can safely bolus that amount and then start the infusion at the rate that you've worked out. And that way there's no delay in administering a life-saving medication to your patient. So to sum up peripheral adrenaline infusions, it's one milligram of adrenaline and 50 mils of saline. Started at 0.3 times the patient's weight in kilograms in mils an hour and titrated to effect. You must know your dead space, bolus this amount at the start, and most importantly, don't induce anesthesia. 
until the vasoactive drugs have raced your patient. So I've given you two methods for titrating adrenaline in critically ill children. You've got push-dose adrenaline and you've got peripheral dilute adrenaline infusions. So you may be wondering which is best and that really depends on the situation. So there's two main groups of patients that I'll use this on. Um, the first is the hypotensive shock patient who's refractory to fluid resuscitation um, and I'll use this prior to insertion of a central line. And the second patient is the patient who, although cardiovascularly stable at the moment, has the potential to decompensate on induction of anaesthesia. So dealing with the first patient, the hypotensive shock patient, where you're trying to get them through until you can get a central line in and start a standard adrenaline infusion. Um, if I had to choose between push-dose pressors or a peripheral adrenaline infusion, um, I would prefer a peripheral adrenaline infusion if time allows. And there's a number of reasons for that. Um, with the push-dose pressors, you tend to get more swings in the blood pressure. So what happens is you, your blood pressure drops, you give a little bit of adrenaline, the blood pressure goes up, it stays up for a few minutes, it dips again, you give some more adrenaline, and that cycle is repeated. With the adrenaline infusion, you tend to have more stability in the blood pressure because it's being delivered continuously. Um, also importantly, the push-dose adrenaline requires a member of the team to be constantly watching the monitor and giving little pulses as they're required. Obviously, if you put an infusion up, the syringe pump can do the job of that person, which frees that person up to do another job. Uh, and quite often you've got a critically ill patient, there's no shortage of jobs to be done. So like I say, if time allows, I'd much rather go for the peripheral adrenaline infusion. However, um, setting up a peripheral adrenaline infusion and titrating it to that period where you've got stability, even if you're bolusing through the dead space, takes at least five minutes. So if I've got a crashing patient in front of me where I don't think I'm going to have those five minutes to do that, I'll use the push dose adrenaline to get me started. And then once time allows, I'll replace that with a peripheral adrenaline infusion. So moving on to the second group of patients and that's the patients who although are cardiovascularly stable at the moment have the potential to decompensate on induction of anaesthesia um, and the cardiac babies fit well into this group. Um, so as well as doing other things like making sure you've appropriately volume loaded the patient given a lower dose of an induction agent I'll have some push dose adrenaline prepared should these babies decompensate on induction. Um, I don't tend to start um, peripheral adrenaline infusions if these children are stable prior to induction of anaesthesia. Um, and that's because the doses of adrenaline that I mentioned are perfect for a shocked hypotensive patient. Um, but these doses of adrenaline, like I've said, will cause anotropy, but also vasoconstriction. So um, for babies who have dodgy hearts, they may not like that increased afterload. 
and often in cardiac ICU we use much lower doses of adrenaline. So for these babies I'm tending to volume load them using much lower doses of induction agent and then only using the um, push dose adrenaline if I need them. Okay, so a very quick run through peripheral vasoactive drugs. And like I say, if you at some stage expect to find yourself with a hypotensive peri-arrest child and being the doctor in charge of their care, this is something you need to learn to do. So in this podcast, I've given you the recipe of how you can make up these drugs. And what I suggest you do is you practice these in a controlled, simulated environment with somebody who's experienced in titrating peripheral vasoactive drugs. Um, and your hospital is likely to be an anaesthetist or an intensivist. Um, so that when you are faced with that patient, you'll be able to do something meaningful. If you have any questions or comments, um, please leave them on the website. It's pediatricemergencies.com. And if you've been enjoying the podcast so far, I'd really appreciate it if you were able to take five minutes and leave me a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.